Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Joyce Martyr. Joyce is an entrepreneur, psychotherapist and author, and also a keynote speaker for the upcoming Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting. Her book is called The Financial Mindset Fix, and Joyce really fit the bill for the person that we've been looking for for quite a while. It seems like maybe it's been at least a year that our team has been talking about finding someone to talk to us about financial mindsets. During our conversation, I mentioned that when I started listening to Joyce's book, I got into chapter one and I said, probably out loud to no one else in the car, that I really needed this book. We all carry baggage. Joyce would call them mindsets. We carry baggage that we pick up from our upbringing, our environment, things that happen to us along the way. And those things affect how we think about how much we should make, how much we should charge our clients, what we should do with our money, and on and on and on. I do want to point out two things, though, before we get into this conversation. The first is that you may think that the idea of fixing money mindsets is some sort of 
woo woo. If I think positive about everything, it's going to fix everything. That's not what we're talking about here. Another, dare I say, mindset that I see that crops up over and over is the idea that abundance or prosperity is about greed and excess. That's also not what we're talking about here. So I hope that if either of these thoughts popped into your head when you heard about this episode, I hope that you'll keep an open mind as you listen in. Catherine McPhail joined me once again for both the conversation with Joy Smarter and backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host, and she's an architect and a podcaster in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. In addition to context and clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from this conversation, so let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Joyce Martyr, psychotherapist and author of The Financial Mindset Fix. This is one of those occasions where both myself and Catherine have uh, have been listening to the book, and I, for one, I'll wait to hear what Catherine has to say about it, but uh, I, for one, am glad that I started listening to this book. I think I said as we were talking with uh, Joyce that I got into uh, chapter one and and said I I need I needed chapter one. Um, it just it spoke to me for some reason. It was a good way to good way to kick that book off. But um, overall, um, the conversation with with Joyce, I thought was a good one and uh, an important one, I think, for many of us when it comes to mindsets and finance. Yeah, for sure. I've been waiting for a money mindset person. But as you know, I like the, um, what, do, what do you call it's this? Squishy Soft, topics, squishy, yeah. squishy stuff. I like, I like squishy topics. I mean, it's been a nice relief from our recent topics. I haven't been very no, no. squishy High tech. lately. Nope. You know, this kind of reminded me this book because in each chapter of the book, which isn't, of course, what we talked about during our show, but in each chapter of her book, uh, she has these kind of like a to do list at the end of each chapter. And then when I when I was turning 40, I had written out this this list of 100 points of perfection because I was going to be perfect by the time I was 40. But so I thought if I did this whole book, I would actually be perfect by and then I if I did everything she says in the book. So I have hope. I have hope for reviving maybe before I'm 60 this time. Myself a couple of years. That's a that's a good point. I mean, the conversation was not necessarily about the book, but but um and without going too fanboy on the book, I guess. Um I have enjoyed the book because it's it's you know, she goes through each one of the chapters, which the twelve chapters form a program that that um that she has. And I like the fact that you 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 get the research, you get the stories, and then you get the workbook part of it, and then you get the therapy session. Um, and as uh, you know, most of the time that I've been listening to it, I've either been driving or or walking. You know, I'm listening to it, and then we get to that therapy session, and I'm just walking along, or or driving along with uh, you know, picturing myself in a therapy session with Joyce, and and um, I I think it's. Um, uh, it, it is it is squishy. <laughs> it's it's definitely squishy, but like you said, I mean, we've been we as a team, as a context and clarity team, you and I and Mark have been talking for a while about finding the right person to talk about 
financial mindsets or, or mindsets as, as they uh, affect our, our finances, I guess. And, and I think Joyce was the, the right person for that. I know, you know, again, squishy topic. I know there are some people that uh, in the community that may have had the impression or, or may have come into this thinking, oh, this is really woo-woo or, um, you know, their version of squishy. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, in fact, we got a question about that yesterday. Uh, well, is it as simple as just thinking differently? Um, but there, there's a lot more, uh, there, there's science to it. There's research to it. You know, there, there's, uh, all, all of the psychology behind it, but there's more to it than just simply, oh, I'm going to change the way I think. And this is gonna, this is going to change everything for me. Has a whole bunch of, I mean, has a whole list of all these different aspects of your life where things could be off, like holding on to resentments and um, any kind of old money feelings that you might have from people who raised you or when you were in high school or whatever other, there's so much that has an impact on, on what we think about money and billing, being wealthy, you know, but mostly this is, I, to me, this is taking care of yourself. This book is about taking care of yourself and being uh, kind of cognizant of everything that you're thinking and doing and, um, you know, trying to change the way you think to a more healthy, compassionate way towards others and yourself. You know, as, as I was, as I was listening to the book and then yes, uh, yesterday, uh, we're recording this the day after uh, this time, as we were talking with Joyce. One of the things that struck me, you know, thinking about the baggage, right? The the resentment, I think, is what you the way you put it a minute ago. Um, I I th- I was thinking back, not only to my childhood, because, like you said, we learn things from Joyce says from our family of origin, um, you know, our experiences and the context, and and then I started thinking about, I guess, my professional life, and one of the things that I immediately go to is 2008, 2009, you know, when the economy was collapsing and, and firms were going out of business and people were losing jobs. And, you know, I, I remember vividly the day, uh, sitting there in our office and, um, having a conversation that culminated in all of us taking, uh, 25% pay cuts and, you know, the damage that that, uh, that inflicts, and, and then you know, fast forward to some other events throughout my career, and and just listening to Joyce either on the book or, or in the conversation yesterday, and going, yeah, I've I've got some baggage, you know, I've got some some mindsets and some things that um, that affect the way the way that I think about invoicing, the way that I think about my fees. The way that I think about risk, you know, well, how, what if I uh, hired somebody to help me with, uh, with this, you know, these, these types of things. And, you know, that's, that's part, not all, but that's part of what she's talking about. It's, you know, where she, she basically says, we've got to accept that these things happened, of course. Um, but how do we get to the point where that's not holding us back, right? That's our, that's our responsibility to say, okay, this happened. This doesn't define me. Now I, I've got to find a way to move forward. And, and, um, you know, to me that that's, 
that's kind of the the seed of what she's talking about is we all go through stuff and and if you're I said this yesterday I don't know if I got the the ages or dates right but if you're of a certain age you've experienced some economic downturns a lot of us have experienced several economic downturns and that happens that's part of life things happen but they but I guess her point is those things don't define us there are things that happened, things that we experienced. So how do we, how do we, I don't know if shed those things is, is the right way to say it, but how do we address those in a healthy way and then find a, find a, a, a healthy progressive way forward? Well, it's all tied up in personal and professional experiences that we've had and just the way we She's talking about having a codependent personality. And if, if you have any threads of codependency, she said that it'll be harder to, um, you know, guilt will get in our way in terms of, if like not just caring for people, but then charging them. So we have to be just aware of it. And I think awareness is a good place to begin with why we may feel the way we feel. One thing she said that I thought was interesting is that she said successful entrepreneurs look around the barriers instead of just seeing barriers and not able to go. Yeah, I don't know. It's just what I needed to read right now. I think. Well, you you mentioned the 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 uh, codependent personalities, and so so I found it fascinating, and you know, somewhat coincidental, I suppose, that Joyce identified that she has a codependent personality, so she has to be has to be careful, and and she's in a uh, uh, a caretaking profession as as a uh, as a therapist. And I thought that was that was a a great parallel to many, I think many people in our profession and in in our community. You know, she she talked about the way that it manifests itself a lot of times is basically trying to help other people at our own detriment sometimes, and and I see that so much um, through, like I said, throughout the community and throughout the profession. Where, uh, and I do this all the time too. It's Oh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll go out of my way to help somebody do this, that, and the other without charging them or charging them very little, or, uh, you know, only charging them for this, that, or the other. And she said, you know, that's dangerous that, that the danger of that approach and that personality is that not only do you have a responsibility to yourselves, but to your employees and your employees, families, and possibly your family and, um, you know, any sort of goals, if you want to be a, uh, contribute to any sort of cause or be a th- philanthropist or any of those things that that it's important for us to to find that abundance and it's and it's not about greed um she made that very clear in in the book and yesterday as well that she's not talking about being greedy or having things in excess or or any of those things that some of us associate with people that have money Right. Unfairly, I would say, because the more money you have, the more you can, even the more you can help the causes that you believe in, in a lot of ways. So yeah, it does. But there are all sorts of expressions having to do with being like, you know, filthy rich and all these negative connotations along with being wealthy that we all grew up with and hear all the time. So we have that connotation of being like kind of a little greasy or something, you know? not 100% nice. But she was talking about how being um, having a depressive mindset or being anxious and negative, how that would impair your finances. So the mental health 
angle of it. And she was saying everybody has mental health issues of some kind, but getting, um, working on those issues will help with your financial mindset. When someone asked, do the finances impact your mindset or do the mindset impact, impact your finances? And, um, I mean, I think it goes both ways. So our mindsets affect finances. And I, I'm going to say mindset is kind of akin to mental health. So our, our mental health or our mindset. So if we're depressive or we're anxious or we're negative, that is going to impair our finances. And if our finances are poor, that is going to impair our mental health or our mindset. So they are interdependent. And so really, in order to get well, we need to look at both and the intersection between both, which is what I call mental wealth. So I am telling you how to leverage psychology to improve your self-worth and embrace it, change your communication, change your thoughts, change your behaviors, change your relationships with others financially, personally and professionally. Imagine your greatest vision for yourself doing good in the world to the greatest extent possible and cultivating a life of abundance. And I love motivating and supporting people and giving people the tools to do that and to remove the shame and stigma from mental health and financial struggle because we're all human and I think we all deal with both in different ways at different points in our lives. I know I've spent a lot of my adult life being anxious about money. Actually, my childhood, too, I think. I overheard my mom say she had $50 left. And so I uh, decided to have a, you know, it was like three cents a glass penny lemonade stand back in the 70s. And I was trying to set because I thought that's all the money we had left because I was eavesdropping on her conversation about her budget with her friend, which I didn't understand. And so I, I was going to save the family with my three cents a glass lemonade, which I don't never really made much money with that lemonade stand. But, but adjusted to today's dollar, I don't, it's probably 15 cents a glass or something, but yeah, that, that was Rod's question actually. Um, do it was something along the lines of uh, do uh, mindsets, affect finances or finances affect mindset. And, and as you said, and Joyce said as well, it's, it goes both ways. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, that that's really at the heart of it. When, when we, when we hear our, we overhear our moms talking about money or an example that, that Joyce gave in her book was her parents, um, at times fought a lot about money and it happens, you know, when, um, that that can be a huge stressor in relationships, obviously. Um, and then as kids, when we see that, you know, what that I guess that's that's really the 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 question, right? When we get into the mindsets, how if that was the case in our household, and, and you know, I came from a family that um, you know the the money wasn't for us. It was it was you know you paid your bills and whatnot, and then you you gave to the church to help, you know, whatever, whatever the church does with that money. And so uh, you'd give the, give money away, which also meant that we never had much money, right? You know, you, you made money and you used money and then you gave the money away, which is, is, is 
fantastic to be able to support things bigger than yourself. But, um, but that's the real question is what did we learn and, and how is that affecting, or the big question for this conversation, um, how does that affect the way that we do business? And, you know, I can look at that and, and say, you know, the, the way that that happened or, or the way, um, that we looked at that when I was a kid was that having a lot of money was not necessarily a good thing because maybe you weren't giving enough. Um, now if I flip that around and go, well, if I've got, if I've got plenty of money, if I've got a lot of money, I can give more or I can support more. Um, and that's, again, that's one of the things that I appreciate about what Joyce writes about and, and what she was talking about is it, it's not about, it's not about greed. It's not ha about accumulation or material things, I think is one of the things that she brought up. It's, you know, what are your goals? And those are the things we've talked about this week. What, what are your goals? What's success? Um, what are obstacles? Um, and, and you said something a few minutes ago about it, you know, about how we treat ourselves or how we care for ourselves or something like that. I think that's, I think that's right on. It's, um, am I, what am I beating myself up over? What's the effect of that? And, and how do I need to, uh, how do I need to change that going forward? And, and who else does that affect? It's probably the bigger question. What about our own kids who are watching how we're dealing with money? Yeah. And some interesting lessons over here. I've always had a hard time um, sending invoices. And in fact, what were eight days, seven days into this month? And I haven't sent any yet. I, every single time, even though I've been doing it for 25 years, I, I still, every single month, I have to kind of make myself push the send button. I just feel bad sending invoices to people. Whereas I should be welcoming the money and thanking the money as it comes in or having some other kind of mindset. Because then I can do stuff like support scholarships that I want to support or, um, you know, people cleaning up the ocean out here or something. I can give them money. But I don't, don't always see it that way. I'm going to tell you a story and let me ask you if you've ever done anything like this. A lot of my work over the years is since I went out on my own has been around the marketing, business development, branding arena. And many, many times, not all the time, but many times it's in the AEC world and a lot of it architecture world. But I had a client that was in financial services and I did, uh, I did an intensive, uh, basically multi-day workshop with them and, you know, kind of worked through all of their messaging, all of their marketing, you know, their website and branding and all these things. And this, this was fairly, fairly soon after I went out on my own, I was bold enough in my brain, I was bold enough to really put myself out there and charge them what I thought was a pretty high fee. And then when I got through with everything, I needed to put together the final deliverable and it was, it took me a little longer than planned on that, which I think then opened the door for um some some negative head talk um and i i started to feel less confident about my about the work that i did and the value of it and eventually i sent them the deliverable and i got to the point where i felt so bad about it i never invoiced them ah that's a sad story jeff i can relate to that absolutely 
And and I look back on that now. I just, in fact, I saw they went. Um, so kudos to them. They went live on uh, Twitter's version of of Clubhouse. I think it was yesterday. I, I got the notification. I still follow them, and and they are an extremely now they are an extremely successful financial services firm. And that's not all because of my work. It's obviously it's it's their work. But I look at that and I go, hopefully this relates to. Um, architects, because I think a lot of times we undervalue what we do. And I did in that moment, you know, who knows what the the total value of that work was. And just because of my own, you know, whatever was going on in my head, I end up not invoicing them, which means that I left obviously thousands of dollars on the table, you know, nice donation. And you did a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely lost revenue, lost testimonial, you know, all of these types of things. I suspect that happens more, more than we'd like to think about. But, you know, just an example of some of this stuff that we do. I, I feel like what I've been doing for a long time, like 25 years, it comes easily to me now. So I feel kind of guilty charging people money for it. I enjoy doing it and it's easy for me. And um, yeah, so I, I leave a lot of money on the table too. So you should charge more. <laughs> I should, I should. And I should charge more. Highest, uh, she said that her friend gives the highest price he can say without laughing, which I could never do. I just couldn't do that. Unless, no, not unless anything. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I think that's, a, I, I might have a hard time coming to grips with that, but um, but but I also I guess I understand the sentiment. But I think on the other side of the coin, there are a lot of us that don't actually know what our clients are willing to pay, and we're afraid. Uh, oh well, if I charge, they they won't pay that much, so I can't charge that much. And you know, obviously, we're not going to just walk up to them and say, "Hey, what would you be willing to pay for this?" Um, that's outside of the comfort zone for more, more people. But I, I think it goes both ways. You know, why, what are we, what are we afraid of and how much are we undervaluing our services? And, and Joyce said this, that's also right. If you're, if you are undercharging, she talked about ethical fees, but if, if you are basically not charging enough, that's also doing a disservice to the profession. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, that, that puts a whole other spin on it. It's not only about your own personal integrity, but it's the integrity of the profession, you know, and, and if one person isn't valuing themselves, that can impact everybody else. And so looking at industry standard, and that's why I think having peer groups like you all have and, and, you know, associations where you collaborate and, share that that can that can really give you support and language and conversation so that you can um, have community that kind of backs you up. And, and I think it feels so good when we can kind of raise that that floor and agree that we're no longer going to do projects below a certain level. I am a big, big believer in mentoring as well. And I look at that as an opportunity. Like recently I brought on a few newer, younger speakers. And so for smaller projects, I then 
refer them to the the newer speakers and I mentor them. I, I teach them, you know, give them my slide decks and um, prepare them for the presentations and, and then retain a percentage. And so it's it's a win-win. The, the client is served, the, the junior person gets some job experience, and it's an another flow of income for me. So there's there's a lot of different ways that you can think of a win-win a and to you know help everyone but not work for less than what you deserve. Well I know I've said this before, but it's a big problem. I have a big problem with not knowing how much other people charge. Like I really don't know. And and that's probably because of that AIA whatever that AIA declaration is that what it was that we we can't consent decree tell people the we Department can't of justice yeah yeah that's what it was yeah so I have no idea honestly still how much people um, charge and when someone in context of clarity the other day said that they were getting a six figure fee right and I was like oh my god what is that even what the mystery that I hold I don't know how much it's supposed to cost either never mind you know, my clients not knowing how much it's supposed to cost so then I think. Well, I mean, I could do it. It wouldn't be that hard. And I don't want to gouge them because they have a budget. And so I could do it for this amount of money. And so that doesn't seem, it's kind of frustrating. I just wish we could know how much other people charge for things. Anyway, I, I just, I just always having a reminder about financial mindset is important because if you believe you can't do something, you're right. I think to that point too, there's a story in her book, The Financial Mindset Fix. There's a story in the book where when Joyce was getting ready to or maybe had just opened her own practice, she said that that friend that you mentioned that that said, I I go basically up to the point um before I start laughing, you know, at, at how how high the fee is or something like that. She sat down with that friend for lunch because they were both starting their own practices at the same time. And the friend asked her what what she wanted to make for a year or in a year or something like that. And she said $60,000. And he was like, really? And she said, well, how much, you know, how much do you want to make? And he said over a hundred thousand dollars and said, do you really, do you think you can make that much? And at the end of the first year, they were both right. She had said 60, she made 60. He had said over a hundred and he made over a hundred. And um, I, I think that's really just sort of the, just super basic illustration of what she's talking about. And it, it's, and we're not, you know, again, we're not talking about like super woo woo or, you know, like manis, uh, magically manifesting something. It's like, if that's your goal, you know, the whole aim high, aim high, hit high, kind of analogy, right? If your goal is 60,000, you're working hard towards 60,000, guess what you're going to do? You're going to come close to hitting 60,000. But if you ratchet that up to over a hundred, you know, that's, it's just part of our human nature. So uh, that that's a story that's going to, that's really going to stick with me because, you know, I'm going to wonder, hey, am I, not am I, what am I doing right now what am I thinking right now? What am I caring right now that is a limiting belief, you know, that's keeping me from being as successful as, um, you know, whatever word you want to attach to it, uh, as prosperous, something like that, as I can be. 
So I think I think this was a good a good a good book and a good guest and a good topic at the right time. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week, and in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. <laughs> Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris. Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.